Don Bizagno, former pastor of Houston's First Baptist Church, tells a story of his coming. He was there to candidate an interview for the position of pastors many, many years ago. He notes uh, as he enters the auditorium of this church, it was dimly lit. There were just a few people huddled together, and they were singing some old, slow, funeral-type song that was quite depressing. He wasn't sure if he wanted to go to this church to pastor. Later that day, he took a walk in downtown Houston and came upon a jewelry store. It was some sort of grand opening for the store, and uh, there were bright lights and greeters at the door to welcome you in with a smile. Inside, there was a celebration going on. There were refreshments and people having a good time talking and laughing with each other. They welcomed him in and offered him some refreshment. He notes that after attending both the church and the jewelry store that day, if the jewelry store had offered him an invitation to work there, he would have joined the jewelry store instead of the church. You see, celebrations for us are a testimony of the joy that is in a place. Celebrations speak of the love that is in a place or between people. Celebrations are important in relationships because it speaks as a testimony that there is love. When we talk about this thing called love, let us not forget that celebrations are important. But in many relationships, celebrations are simply to go through the motions. Oh, it is our anniversary. I guess we better go out somewhere so that people will think that we are still in love. Well, it's my husband's birthday and he doesn't deserve it, but I guess we better go buy him a cake so that we can at least make him feel good on his one day of the year he deserves it. Whether birthdays or anniversaries or milestones, when we celebrate, it shows the world and the people and the couple celebrating the event that they are in love. And yet, what is the deep-rooted reason for why we celebrate? That's what we want to talk about this morning in this thing called love. As you know, we've been looking at the book Song of Solomon in the Bible and we've noted that it is God's guidebook for love and romance and intimacy, marriage and life after marriage. We've been looking in, peering in to the relationship between Solomon and this woman. We began this series by noting and looking at their initial attraction and setting forth the guardrails to ensure that our attractions are not left unchecked. Then we talked about boundaries that we need to cultivate, whether as singles or as married, to make sure that our relationships are Christ-honoring. And then two weeks ago, we talked about the values that must be a part of each relationship, that foundations a godly relationship. And now we come to celebrations. What are we to celebrate? What is the reason for why we are to celebrate this thing called love? Let's take a look this morning. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn with me to the book of Song of Solomon, chapter 3. Song of Solomon, chapter 3, as we exposit verses 6 to 11. 
If you're new to the Bible this morning, uh, it is the last book of the wisdom literature, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and then we get to the book of the Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon, chapter 3, verse 6 to 11. The day has now come when Solomon and this woman will be husband and wife. It is the day of their wedding. And in this great day of their wedding, they have much to celebrate about, and we will examine what they are celebrating and perhaps draw out some biblical principles for what we can celebrate in our relationships, whether as friends, whether as boyfriend or girlfriend, whether as husband or wife, newly married, or those married 50 years. You see, in any oriental wedding, there are three parts. There is first the wedding ceremony. And then there is the great feast. And then there is the consummation of the marriage, the wedding night. The book of the Song of Solomon speaks of the first and third aspects of an ancient Near East wedding. It does not talk about the feast. But we know it's there. And today we speak about the wedding ceremony. Come back next week if you want to talk about the wedding night. I'm sure attendance will be very big next week. Verse 6. Who is this coming out of the wilderness like pillars of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and frankincense, with all the merchants' fragrant powders? Someone is narrating this event. It is picturing the coming of the groom to marry the bride with all of the fanfare of what will be a very grand and beautiful wedding. And this wedding is appropriate. It is fit for these two whose love have been growing throughout this book. As the groom is coming, he is pictured from a great distance, coming from the desert. He can be seen, or his entourage can be seen, because the Bible tells us in verse 6 that there is a great cloud of smoke, a great column of smoke coming out of the wilderness. Now, this is not the smoke from the dust that is kicked up by the horses, this is actually incense. This is a lot of incense. It must have been very expensive. Specifically, verse 6 tells us the type of incense used or perfumes used, myrrh and frankincense. You can just imagine the cost of burning this much incense to produce a pillar of smoke that can be seen from afar off. But notice that nothing is said about the cost of this event because today is the day of the wedding and it is a time of celebration. The language that is used here in verse 6, if you were reading it uh, in the Jewish community or if you're familiar with the Old Testament, would surely conjure up in your mind how when the Spirit of God led the children of Israel out of Egypt in their wilderness wanderings, that God led them in the form of a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Almost the same usage in the Hebrew. Who is this coming out of the wilderness like a pillar of smoke? And if this illusion is intentionally bringing the readers to remember God leading his people through a pillar of fire and of cloud, then the very same way this illusion reminds us that it is God who is bringing this couple together in his perfect timing 
in a holy divine appointment, not too early and not too late, God is bringing this man and this woman together. And this indeed calls for celebration because it is one of divine appointment. And if you're taking notes, this is number one. The celebration of a divine appointment. The reason we can celebrate in this thing called love is that there is a celebration of a divine appointment. A divine appointment. God has orchestrated in His perfect sovereign will this man and this woman to be together. And in this wedding context, this is the moment that both partners should anticipate as a sacred moment. The moment when God is witnessing with a smile the moving of spiritually sensitive hearts to enter into a marriage covenant. In the same way, when you celebrate milestones in your relationship, whether you are married or unmarried, whether as close friends or as a couple, do you celebrate your relationship as a divine appointment? Think about that. When we enter into a time of celebration, whether you're celebrating friendships or celebrating an anniversary, can you rejoice that God has led you two together? Can you rejoice that God is honored in your relationship or are you ashamed of it because you know you should not be in a relationship with this other person? When you go on a date, when you are celebrating a milestone, when you are celebrating an anniversary, I wonder, do you pray together? Do you thank God for putting the both of you together? Even if it comes to a relationship between parents and children and siblings, do you thank God for putting you together in the celebration of a divine appointment that you are the child of your parents, that you have a great sister and a great brother. You see, the celebration of love is not a superficial celebration of the event. It is seeing the divine appointment and the outworking of God's grace in your relationship. And that's why, specifically in a wedding, as a divine appointment, that ceremony is solemn. It is a worship of the Almighty God and how He has brought the couple together. You know, having done many weddings, so often couples worry about having the perfect wedding. When they're talking about a perfect wedding, they're alluding to the fact that all that they have planned will come together. But every wedding is a perfect wedding. Why? Because it is God's divine appointment for the both of you to take your marriage vows. And so I tell most of the couples I marry, enjoy, relax. And I know you've planned months and months upon months for your wedding, but I bet you something's going to go wrong. Well, that's not very encouraging, Pastor. You're telling me something's going to go wrong? My point is this. It doesn't matter how perfectly you've planned out your wedding. Usually something will go wrong, but don't worry about it. Because at the end of the day, both of you will be married. Whatever happens, both of you will be married. And after 70 plus weddings, I have seen everything. 
I've seen in the middle of this church the photographer holding his flash, his, his light catch on fire. I have seen, because I'm standing right up here, the bride's veil catch on fire because it got too close to the unity candle. It really happened. Some of them are not my fault. It just happens. There are things that happen that are my fault, and I acknowledge that. I'm not perfect. One of the biggest things I regret is um, I said the wrong name. Uh, you see, I'll let you in on a little secret. Uh, I do a lot of weddings. I'll do one next week uh, in this church, and I love doing weddings. But um, I have a master template, and uh, I tailor it to each couple, of course, especially in the exhortation. But the rest of the wedding ceremony is pretty standard. And so what I usually do is Microsoft Word is a great feature called Search and Replace. And so I take the name of the current groom, if it's Bill, and the previous groom was Jack, I'll search for all of Jack and replace it with the word Bill. All right? And I do the same with the bride. It's pretty simple. Except if you misspell a name. Because Word is not smart enough to replace that name. In this particular wedding... The previous wedding was the wedding of the current groom's ex-girlfriend. And so I just replaced the names. But unfortunately, in the manuscript, the bride's name uh, was somehow misspelled and didn't get changed. And I admit to you, sometimes after preaching four services... I get a little tired in the afternoons, and uh, uh, you simply sometimes, because I'm simply human, you just go through and you just read what you wrote. And this was the part with the I do. Do you, groom, take your ex-girlfriend? And I caught myself halfway through, and I quickly changed it, but it was obvious to those who knew that I had said the wrong name, and... I remember the bride staring at me. I admit that was my mistake. And I'm glad that uh, that couple has uh, forgiven me. They are still coming to church. I can tell you stories and stories about things that go wrong, but it's those stories that you remember. Celebrate the divine appointment that is a part of your relationship. And in this, one of the greatest moments is one's wedding day. What a time of celebration. What a time of joy. I don't think Solomon was worrying about the little details of his wedding. He just wanted to show that today is the day that God has appointed that they would get married. And he called for incense upon incense to burn so that it would be a pillar of smoke as a testimony, as incense signifies often in the scriptures, the prayers before God, that all would see that God was leading in this relationship. Celebrate your relationship as a divine appointment. Verse 7 and verse 8. Behold, it is Solomon's couch with 60 valiant men around it. Of the valiant of Israel, they all hold swords, being expert in war. Every man has his sword on his thigh because of fear in the night. 
Solomon does not go into his wedding alone. He brings an entourage. He brings the strongest and the finest of men. They are here to guard the bride. No harm would come to her. Whatever danger that lurked in the night, verse 8. Now, can you imagine how a young bride would feel if she walked down the figurative aisle at her wedding ceremony and finds that her husband-to-be has 60 groomsmen, fully armed, ready to fend off anyone who tries to disturb the wedding or to harm the bride. Imagine how she would feel. She would feel very safe, very secure. She would be thinking to herself, here is a man who is truly going to protect me. And as we've studied the Song of Solomon these past few weeks, we've noticed the repeated themes of support and strength in a relationship. Remember two weeks ago when Solomon calls out to her as a dove in the cleft of the rock, come out out of the protection of the rock face. The implication being, I will be able to protect you. And then three weeks ago, we talked about how she felt very protected in their relationship that she's able to say, his banner over me was love. Themes are repeated and they are important. Every relationship must be permeated with support and strength for each other. And you see this even in their wedding day. And that is indeed something to celebrate, number two, if you're taking notes. The celebration of support and strength. The celebration of support and strength in your relationships. Do you have that? Can you celebrate that in your relationships? Is it evident in the way your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your husband or your wife treats you? That is the mark of a true celebration in this thing called love. The celebration when you gather together and celebrate how wonderful and supportive each of you are. And that's why in a wedding, traditionally, there is a groomsman. Uh, or there are groomsmen and there are bridesmaids. Those people are there to show solidarity, to, to show support and strength. They are the people who say, I stand with you in this. Make sure you pick people in your entourage, if you're not yet married, who are a source of support. These are the people who will be there for you in your relationship. We all need that. They are the ones who are rallying, celebrating with you your support for one another, your strength to hold each other up. For the married couples, do you have this in your relationship? When you celebrate an anniversary, do you simply celebrate making it through another year? Or do you celebrate in those moments how your spouse is such a support and strength to you? I like the story where there was a speaker who spoke to a women's auxiliary, a, a women's club. And the speaker was speaking on the topic of marriage, lecturing on the topic of marriage. And so the speaker asked the audience, how many of you want to mother your husbands. How many of you want to mother your husbands, to care for them, to, to mother them? 
one member in the back row raised her hand, and so the speaker went to the back to find out why. The speaker said, please tell us, why do you want to mother your husband? The woman said, mother? I don't want to mother my husband. The speaker asked the woman, then, why did you raise your hand? The woman said, oh, I thought you said smother. I want to smother my husband. What is it? Do you want to mother them or do you want to smother them? I'm scared to ask you to raise your hands to that question. Because I'm sure many of you at some point of your relationship want to smother your spouse. Can you celebrate the strength and the support that comes from caring for one another deeply. Notice that it is not only the 60 men he brought along that shows his love and support for his bride. Look at verse 9 and verse 10. Of the woods of Lebanon, Solomon the king made himself a palanquin. He made its pillar of silver, its support of gold, it its seed of purple, its interior paid with love by the daughters of Jerusalem. A palanquin is a carriage. It will be used to transport Solomon and his bride back to the palace from her home. And in the making of this carriage, Solomon made it exquisite. It was the best of woods from the famed forest of Lebanon. It must have been made out of the great cedars of Lebanon. It was decorated ornately with silver and gold. Even the cushion was lovingly embroidered by the best of artisans, by the women of Jerusalem, the very royal, expensive, limited purple fabric. Is Solomon trying to show off here? I don't think so. Here was a picture of the best for his bride. Solomon is saying, I'm going to show you just how much I love you. I'm going to show you through this carriage how I'm going to protect you and provide support for you and encourage you. Only the best for the one I love so much. I will take care of you. And here in the exquisite building of this carriage, Solomon is celebrating his ability to support and take care of his bride. In America, who pays for the wedding? In America, it's often the bride's family that pays for the wedding traditionally. And the rationale behind that is because that's the last thing the father of the bride will pay for before his daughter is married off to someone else. The burden of responsibility is now upon the husband. And so as the last act, the father of the bride, the bride's family pays for the wedding. Now here in Asia, in the Oriental context, it is the, bride, the, the groom's family, excuse me, that pays for the wedding. What's the rationale behind that, that the groom's family pays for the wedding? The groom's family pays for the wedding, or the groom pays for the wedding, because it shows that the groom will be able to take care of the bride. 
If he can pay for the wedding, then for sure he can pay for the rest of her life. And there's great rationale in that also. There's no, nothing right or wrong about each of these traditions. So I've talked about this with my wife with two boys and a daughter. I'm hoping that my two sons find a future spouse in America and my daughter finds a spouse in the Philippines and my problem is taken care of. But joking aside, in any relationship, there must be a, a celebration of one's support and strength. Do you show each other, whether you are single or married, your deepest friends or your spouse, through words, through actions, how much you love and support them, how much strength you desire for them, how you will stand by their side, whatever happens? Can you celebrate that? Because the wife wants the best from her husband. He wants, she wants the, the same ambitious, driven, creative leader at home as he is at work. She doesn't want him as the leftover after work. And vice versa, the women to the men. And Solomon has displayed this in his building of his carriage for her. Nothing left unchecked. The best to show that he will provide for her. That is something to celebrate. Now you may think to yourself, we're not that wealthy. I don't have a carriage to build for my girlfriend or my spouse. But the celebration of support can come in many different ways. And that support is also in often the little things. And uh, I saw this from my wife uh, on this recent trip uh, to Cebu. And I share this with you. And for those of you who were at the Sunday service at the beach last week, I apologize if you're hearing this story again. But uh, Cindy and I drove our own car to Bantayan. Uh, we had to run some errands. Uh, and so we left about 30 minutes uh, ahead of the two buses uh, in the back um, to run some errands and do some things in preparation for uh, another night of concert. As we were driving through northern Cebu Island uh, in the mountainous region, apparently I'd eaten something bad for breakfast. A few hours later, as I was driving through the mountains, my stomach started to feel very uneasy. And I realized that we're going to have a problem here. I wasn't too afraid because my wife always carries tissue or toilet paper. It's always in her bag. And so I turned to her and said, Honey, um, my stomach doesn't feel good. Uh, do you have toilet paper? I'm going to need it. She turned to me and she said, I'm so sorry. I, I ran out this morning. I don't have any. And I began to panic. I said, What are we going to do? Now, you've got to understand, in this mountain road uh, from northern Cebu Island back to Cebu City, there are no Jollibees. There are no McDonald's. There are no places you can just stop off. She said, well, it's okay. You can just stop off the car and I can go down and speak in Bisaya and I can um, uh, just ask someone um, if, I can, if they would allow uh, you to use their bathroom. I said, that's very embarrassing. How would you like it if you know, someone came to your house, you don't know them, hi, can I use your bathroom? And, and these were not houses. This is in the mountain. Uh, these were shacks. All right, pretty much. And 
I, I, I didn't want to think about what their bathroom would look like. So that's the pride. And so I drove very, very fast. And saying, Lord, just, just let me hold on. I remembered as I was driving. I said, I remember 14 years ago when I was courting you in Cebu that you had arranged for us to go to a, a resort. And I remember it was around this area where the mountain ends and the ends right at the beach. Honey, quickly Google it. Uh, see if that resort is still open. And uh, so I'm driving fast. She's on my side uh, Googling it. And uh, she finds out that it's still open. Active website. And it's about two kilometers off of the main road, main highway. And so we got really close and we saw the signs. You know the signs to the resort here in the Philippines. Two kilometers away, one kilometer away, 600 meters. You know those signs. And we hit it and I'm running real fast. And, uh, and, and uh, the expectation of uh, being able to deal with this issue because there would be a resort and there would be a nice bathroom and uh, at least they have toilet paper. We got to the guardhouse. She rolled down the window and she asked the guard, uh, we'd like to go and visit. And to my horror, the guard said to her, I'm sorry, this resort is closed. It went bankrupt last year. Now you've got to understand, if you've gone through something like this, the expectation... And then having to hold it back. I pleaded with the man, the guard, please just let us in. Just, you know, this is an emergency. We're sorry, this is private property. It's closed. And I said, what, do, what can we do? And the guard was kind enough. He said, down the road about 10 minutes, uh, there's a, a, a simple Filipino resort just by the beach. A very, very simple. But for sure, they would have facilities there. That 10-minute drive was about three minutes. As we raced down there, I pulled into the gravel parking lot and I just jumped out of the car and I saw the bathroom there. I, I ran into it, the three stalls that were there, and I looked and I realized something. There's no toilet paper. At this point, you don't care anymore and said, I'm going to run into the ladies' bathroom, which I did. I ran in there and I looked and there was no toilet paper. I yelled to my wife, who was just slowly coming out of the car. I said, honey, there are no toilet papers in any of these restrooms. She said, just use the water. Tabo style, you know. I ran back into the men's restroom. I ran in. I opened the faucet. No water. No water. I thought to myself, what kind of resort is this place? Very simple. And... Um, I won't describe in detail because you're about to have lunch. Anyway, it wasn't the cleanest of places. And I saw a little bit of water in the empty drum. And I used it and just cleaned it off as best as I can. And I did what I needed to do. My wife is outside. And so I'm calling out to her, not very nicely. Find some toilet paper, please. And so she finds uh, someone who works uh, at this, uh, I won't even call it a resort, this place. And uh, I'm, I'm hearing their conversation. And she's asking, um, uh, can we have some toilet paper? And the lady answers her, sorry, we don't have toilet paper. And so Cindy asks her, can we buy some toilet paper? The lady says, sorry, we don't sell toilet paper. I'm thinking to myself, are you kidding me? But my wife was smart enough. And she asked, well, if you don't supply toilet paper and you don't sell toilet paper, how do you guys go to the bathroom? 
And the lady said to her, we all have our personal roll of toilet paper. For the bathroom, I just yelled, buy it from her. (laughs) Buy it from her. I've never paid so much money for a roll of toilet paper that was used. Anyway, praise God for that roll of toilet paper. Finishing that, uh, went back in the car and our journey back. My wife looks at me, looks at me and has got this smile on her face. Says, what would you do without me? At that moment, I said, you know what? I would have died of embarrassment. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I love you, I love you. And for the next two hours, I had to profess my love to her as she has not let me forget how she was a support to me. We laugh and we celebrate those embarrassing moments. But that is the nature of true celebration. It doesn't come from a nice dinner, although it can come from that. It doesn't come necessarily from an elaborate presentation or profession of love. The deepest celebration of one's love for one another is to show forth support and strength. It comes even in the smallest of things like toilet paper. Verse 11. Go forth, O daughters of Zion, and see King Solomon with the crown with which his mother crowned him on the day of his wedding, the day of the gladness of his heart. Let me give you the principle first, and we'll elaborate on it. The third thing to celebrate in a relationship is the celebration number three of approval. The celebration of approval. Great relationships are marked by approval. In a wedding, it is the approval of both sets of parents. In other relationships, the approval of friends and family. And the overarching nature of relationships, it is the approval of God. And you see that here in verse 11. Solomon's mother, that would be Bathsheba, crowns him with the wedding crown that grooms wore in that day. It was a sign of her approval that he was marrying a woman that she approved of, that she would love as a daughter. For those of you who are thinking about marriage, do you have the approval of both sets of your parents in your relationship towards marriage? If not, see to it that you have their blessing. It will cause you less heartache in the future. If you are already married, seek to establish the relationships that win the approval of family and friends. Can you in your relationships celebrate the fact that everyone is clapping for you? Everyone is happy for you. Everyone is supportive and approving of your relationship. You see, the approval of one's spouse to another son and daughter is vital to your family's happiness. To the happiness of a couple getting married. You see, when you're dating, when you're courting, take time to get to know the family into which you will be marrying. You do not marry an isolated individual. 
When you enter into marriage, the reality is you marry that person and you marry the person that is significant to that individual. You marry into their family. You marry into their customs and to their culture. You are marrying, as someone said, into their childhood memories, how they grew up, how they did Christmas, how they did New Year, their way of doing things. You marry into their values and their beliefs instilled by their family. You marry into the way they have seen the modeling of parenting and of marriage. That's who you marry. That's who you are in a relationship with. Do you have that approval? Because if you do, then you can celebrate it. And I know there are some people here this morning, whether married or not, who do not have parental approval, who do not have the approval of their spheres of friends. And there are situations that make it very difficult to win their approval. All I'm simply saying is there is true celebration in this thing called love when you have the approval of everyone. Because, you know, I've been to some celebrations, and boy, is it awkward. I've been to celebrations of anniversaries and of birthdays where this person is not invited and that person is not invited. I've been to situations where everyone is on thin ice, afraid to say anything or do anything that would offend someone else. It's hard to celebrate when you're walking on eggshells. It's hard to celebrate when you know someone is missing. All I'm saying is, biblically, the heart of celebration in this thing called love is not simply between the both of you. It is the celebration when the community gathers and celebrates with you. Now, why is this important? Because oftentimes, these areas of disagreement, as we talked about two weeks ago, are the little foxes that will work into your marriage, that will begin to claw at it, that pull your marriage apart. And I've seen it multiple, multiple times. In-law issues, family issues, living situation issues, not talked about, kept silent, and it begins to gnaw, it begins to break the relationship. And if that issue of approval is not dealt with, then what happens is one person will begin to see the person that they love and see that they are trapped. And the one they love so much, they thought that it will, that it, it, it will allow you to, 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 to deal with all problems, now becomes a love that is diminished. Because now you feel as if you didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up for this. I married you, not your family. And instead of love, you begin to detest. And that anger begins to build up. There was a story of a husband who had been slipping in and out of a coma for several months. The woman's husband uh, would come into consciousness and then leave out of it but yet the woman the wife stayed by his bedside every single day one day when he was in a moment of cognizant uh, recognizing his wife he motioned for her to come nearer and she sat by him and eyes full of tears he whispered you know what 
the wife leaned in. You've been with me through all the bad times. When I got fired, you were there to support me. When my business failed, you were there. When I was hurt in an accident, you were by my side. When we lost the house, you stayed right there. When my health started failing, you were still by my side. Do you know what? The wife gently leaned in. Her heart began to fill with warmth. What, dear? The man said to her, I think you're bad luck. I think you're bad luck. And that's true in a lot of relationships. That which was so loving at first, filtered through these little issues that percolate in a relationship, the spouse feels trapped. Instead of seeing it as perseverance in a relationship, they begin to think, I shouldn't have married you. You're bad luck. You've caused me this pain. To prevent that, to make sure you celebrate and can celebrate the approval of many. Verse 11, the gladness of his heart. Gladness of heart does not exist when a parents resent or reject future daughter-in-laws or son-in-laws. As you come into your relationships, can you say, today is the day of gladness in my heart. Can you say that? You see, there's joy when two lives are together as one in marriage and relationship. And that celebration of love does not come in superficial days or restaurants. That celebration of love comes when both recognize that your relationship is a divine appointment blessed by God. When strength and support are manifested and seen very evidently in the big things and in the small things. And there is celebration when the community is rallying, clapping their hands in approval because you have worked at it to seek their approval. And I know it's going to be hard for some to humble yourself and decide to establish and reestablish relationships. But for the benefit of the one that you love, because their parents love them as well, seek for that approval. Then you will be a good place. Then you have something to celebrate. Then you can celebrate every day because that is what a God-honoring relationship looks like. Let's pray. Thank you for your word, Lord. It is a good reminder even to me. The celebrations of our life do not come from superficial creations of birth dates and of anniversary days. They come from a daily reminder of relationships that come with each milestone being celebrated through the lenses of seeing you at work in our lives. Celebrating how out of the billions of people on this earth, you put us together as friends, as spouses, showing support and strength to one another 
in our words and our actions, in the small things, in the big things, because we have sought your approval in our relationship and also the approval of our friends and our family. And so as you celebrate with us and as we celebrate ourselves, thank you for giving us the privilege of celebrating this thing called love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.